Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. It's here, and so are you. And it's Monday. It's Monday. Why are there no good songs for Monday? You ever think about that? Like there's songs for Friday. There's even songs about Wednesday, but there's not a really good song for Monday. I just have the Happy Days theme song going through my head. Sunday, Monday, Happy. Right. Yeah. Well, you see, even then it starts with Sunday. That's right. the Happy Day, not Monday. There's Blue Monday, but that's because everybody doesn't like Monday. Didn't the? Isn't there a song that's like Monday, Monday? Like there's some like Beatles song or something. I don't know. Right. I just I recall. So, someone give us a comment. Tell us. I, I don't think there's any good songs for Monday or any songs for Monday for that. Maybe matter. you should write one. I will think about it. I'm trying to think of a title. I've got none, but you could just call it Monday because apparently there's not a song out there by that title. So I'll give it a shot. Monday, but make it about Jesus somehow. Always. Jesus is here to save your Mondays. Oof. Oof. Yeah. You got a case of the Mondays? How about you get a case of the Jesuses? Oh, Pastor PJ. That's horrible. That's why there's no songs about Monday. <laughs> there's nothing. Plus, there's not really much that rhymes with Monday. Fun day. Every other day of the week. One day. One day. One day, Monday. One day. Never mind. We're getting close to setting dates now. All right. So um, if you're still here, we're in uh, Nehemiah. Nehemiah 9, 10, and 11. Oof. A lot of territory. Yeah. Wow. Sometimes it's like you get a little bit and sometimes it's like, okay, how are we going to do that? Fire hose. And then Acts chapter four, uh, verses one through 22. So uh, Nehemiah, let's jump in. Nehemiah chapter nine. Uh, we, we talked last time they were celebrating. It was the time to, for the joy of the Lord to be their strength. Uh, and yet now they, they still need to deal with what caused them the grief to begin with, which was their sinfulness. And so you'll notice there, if you're pregnant, uh, men, not you, but if your wife is pregnant and you guys are looking for names for the baby, I might I suggest first five, just start there and, and go through. You've got Jeshua, Cadmiel, Bani, uh, Hashabaniah, uh, Sherebiah, Hodiah, uh, Shebaniah, and uh, this guy, Peth, Pethahiah. Uh, so maybe one of those would be a, a unique name for you. Those are all excellent. Those are great. We would, yeah. Or PJ. Or PJ. Little or, PJ. Or not. Um, but they stand up and they pray and it's interesting because this prayer is, is quite long. Um, and it's a a prayer that reminds, uh, the people of the faithfulness of God. And it's one of those prayers similar to, to think in John 17, where Jesus prays and he's praying and he says, I'm not praying necessarily for your sake, father, or for my sake, but for the sake of those around me. And, And the disciples are allowed to kind of eavesdrop on this prayer between Jesus and the father. Well, here you have this group of, of Levites, this group of, of Israelite leaders praying in the presence of the people who are praying along with them and their prayer is as much meant to uh, to to teach and instruct the others that are there as much as it is to to lay the their request before god um, which is something for us to bear in mind as we're praying men as you're praying with your families or as you're praying with other people uh, if you're uh, here's one thing if, if you're the person not praying uh, what should you be doing as somebody else is praying uh, listening and and praying along with that person um, paying attention to what they're saying and agreeing with it right and that's why that's what amen means it's an agreement it's yes let it be right i mean that's that's what we're doing even at the end of a prayer when we say amen but here it's a corporate prayer and the people are are passively participating with these men as they're 
uh, as they're praying these things. And, and, and what they do to begin with is they go through and they begin to remind the people and, and even in a way, God of not that he needs the reminder, but they're, but they're calling on his fat past faithfulness to them uh, to show mercy and to show grace. And they're, they're going through and there's, it's kind of this rhythmic uh, pattern here where they'll talk about, okay, yeah, it, we rebelled and we did what was wrong. And then God, you didn't forsake us and you were merciful and you were gracious and you were faithful. And then we rebelled again and we didn't do what was good. And and yet you didn't forsake us and you were merciful and you were gracious and you were faithful. Um, and he, in verse 22, I love when he says, you gave them kingdoms, speaking of their, their forefathers, you multiplied their children as the stars of heaven, a callback there to the Abrahamic covenant, right? You brought them into the land. You told their fathers to enter and possess. So the descendants went in and possessed the land. You subdued the inhabitants of the land before them, the Canaanites. And, and, and then verse 26, nevertheless, they, they were disobedient. There it is again. And they rebelled against you and they cried out and you heard from heaven. Second Chronicles seven, right? You heard from heaven and you're according to your great mercies. You gave them saviors. You heard from heaven again. You delivered them according. So it's just this pattern where he's they're reminding the people as the people are listening and calling on God to say, hey, these are all the things you've done in the past. Now they get to this this part where they say and, and we've rebelled again. And they're dealing with, again, what caused the conviction and the grief back in chapter eight. Now they're getting to it. And he's, they, they say, yet, in verse 33, even as they've suffered so much, and they've suffered a lot. Remember, Babylonian captivity, it was not a pleasant thing. We maybe read the, the story of Daniel and his three friends, and we think, oh, well, you know, it, it worked out okay for them. But there were a lot of people that were killed. Nebuchadnezzar was a cruel and ruthless and wicked man. And when his armies came through and you think about the, the, the terrors and the horrors of what took place to the Israelites there, they suffered a lot during exile. Sure did. And yet verse 33, they say, yet you have been righteous in all that has come upon us for you have dealt faithfully and we have acted wickedly. This prayer owns their sinfulness. They're not looking to justify themselves before God. They're looking to justify God and his judgment because his judgment is always right. And they say, our kings and our priests and our princes, our fathers have not kept your law or paid attention to your commandments and your warnings that you gave them. They did not serve you or turn from their sinfulness. And so they're, they're, they're setting up the, the covenant that's going to be entered into in chapter 10. So I wonder if for some people they're listening and maybe they're thinking, yeah, well, it makes sense for Israel. They, they sinned. And so the, the suffering that they brought on, they kind of brought on themselves. They weren't, uh, they should not have expected otherwise because this is exactly what God promised. How might you talk to somebody who looks at their life and says, well, I actually, I, I did okay. I went to church. I was praying. I was doing my Bible thing. And, and yet I still suffered in these awful ways. What kind of encouragement might you give them? Pastor PJ? I think there's a twofold encouragement. I, th- I think on the one hand, there's just the reality of the Genesis three world, the post Genesis three world that we live in, um, that, that the, the suffering and the, the maybe passive uh, suffering that we encounter here is just a reminder that, that we're in a world that's broken, um, and cancer exists and people lose their jobs unjustly and uh, marriages end because a, a spouse is unfaithful. And, and, and you may sit there and you go, I, I don't deserve those things. And while on the one hand, like I, I get that, I do understand that. On the other hand, uh, it's it's a a result of the fall in the the broken and fallen world, and we need to also remember that that we are broken and fallen and sinful ourselves. And so, while we're not going to stand up and look at somebody who is in the throes of cancer and say you, you're sick because you sinned, they're sick because sin exists, 
right? Mm. And we are in a world in which sin is, is here and we participate in sin as well. And you think of the ultimate sinless one and the fact that he suffered and died for us on our behalf. He's the only one that, that's suffered truly innocently and truly without cause. And yet he did so for us and went to the cross for us. So yeah, we suffer and, and we may be a, a quote unquote innocent bystander in the suffering that we experience. And yet when we really think about and when we're really honest with ourselves, we understand according to scripture and according to the weight of the law, man, our sin deserves the full wrath of God, even the smallest sin that we have. Yeah. And it's also more colorful than that too, because as Christians, when we go through suffering, we recognize and we can feel confident. There's no such thing as wasted suffering in our lives. God delivers the exact right dose that we need at the exact right time. And it may have no necessary connection to our our sin. It may not be disciplinary. It may not be God's correction in our lives. It might be very well his direction, his formation of our lives by Mm -hmm. taking us through a a difficult season and Mm -hmm. bringing us through it stronger and more godly in the end. Absolutely. Absolutely. Chapter 10, you get into this covenant then. So they they pray, they say, hey, we've acted foolishly again and God, you're just. And so here's what we're covenanting to do. And notice in verse 10, the names that show up there, they're the heads of the families, they're the men. The men are are taking ownership and leading the charge in this saying, this is what we're going to do. And so they are, are acting as strong and godly men. And then they go through all of the obligations of the covenant there. We take on ourselves the obligation to give a, a shekel for the service of the house of God and for the showbread and, and so forth and so on. That's verse 32. And they go through just reestablishing the the temple system there and the sacrificial system and the priests and the Levites. They're committing to support the, the ministers of God in, in here. So even when we think about that in the New Testament, when we think about the church and the idea of the, the, the pastors and the church being supported by the church itself, people, you yeah. see examples of that even here in the Old Testament system. So this is not something that's, that's brand new with the church. It's something that was taking place in the Old Testament as well. We see it in Nehemiah 10 as the people are giving. Um, but but it's interesting because, and Pastor Rod, you and I were talking before we, we hit record on this. It's like when we were growing up and we we're like, oh man, we're, we're all in. We're, we're going to, you come back from summer camp and you've got that spiritual high and you're like, I'm going to memorize the book of Ezekiel and I'm going to recite it every day for the rest of my life. In the original language. <laughs> in the original language. Yeah. So uh, just uh, so many things there, right? That, that, that we've committed to, and you may look back at your life and go, man, yeah, I committed to this. I vowed to do this. I, I resolved to do this. I covenanted to do covenanted to do this. And, and we've, we've not followed through. Well, we're going to see in a couple chapters, the Israelites don't follow through here. I mean, this is, these are great intentions, but horrible follow through. And that's a good reminder for us as we're thinking about our relationship with God. And when we feel the weight of sin, so often we're like, I'm never going to ever do that again. And I'm going to white knuckle my way through this and I'm, I'm done. And I'm, it's just a reminder that, that it's about more than our words. Right. It's about more than our intentions. And, and listen, in our flesh, we can't, we, we, we can't you can make the, the most flowery and, and, and beautiful covenant before the Lord that anyone's ever read before. And yet, if you don't have the spirit dwelling within you, and if you are not feeding the spirit within you, there's no way you don't stand a chance in that. I remember a, a pastor that I had a long time ago used to say this, there are, are two forces warring within you. It's the, the spirit and the flesh. And the one that's going to win is the one that you feed. Mm. And if, if you're not speeding, feeding the spirit, so to speak, through fellowship and through the word and through prayer, you can make these covenants when you feel guilt, but they're not going to stand. 
Yeah, and for, for I mean, I think that that's the point. <laughs> I think that's the point. These guys are coming off of a great spiritual high. They they just went through a season of confession. They they just finished their their feast of tabernacles. They're they're at a place where like they're sensitive. They want to do the right thing, and I, I empathize with them. They're like, ah, oh, yes, you want to do the right thing. We want to do the right thing, and it's that same sense of of having the desire to please God and not mm-hmm. having the ability to pull through. Right. Ultimately, the reason Israel fails is not because they never had the right intentions. Certainly, they do. They fail because they don't have the indwelling Spirit of God working through them and and enabling them to follow through on their grandest ambitions. Praise God, we live under the new covenant where we have the Spirit. Uh, what you're reading about in Acts chapter two, he's been delivered now. The church has been edified and empowered through his ministry. That's what allows the Christian to experience success. It's not our efforts. It's a spirit working through our efforts. It's Philippians chapter two. Mm. We have those good desires. We have the will. He empowers us to successfully pursue those ambitions. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amen to that for sure. And then chapter 11, uh, more of the the resettling of the city. You've got all the leaders in Jerusalem and they're uh, going through and, and there's more names and there's more numbers. Well, these are new people though. These are new. Yeah, these are new. These are not a repeat, but but it's still this idea of of this is a, a resettling. This is a new start. This is a fresh start. They've, they've kind of got to establish all of these things over again. Yeah. All right. Let's go over to our New Testament reading in Acts chapter four. Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 22. Acts chapter 4, again, Peter and John, the the Jewish council, the Sanhedrin, they they take notice to what's going on here because the the people are going, hey, did you see this guy? He used to be lame and now he's walking. And, uh, And what are we supposed to do with this? Well, unfortunately, their response is, well, we need to take Peter and John out to begin with. And so they arrest him. And they uh, put them in custody until the next day for it was already evening. Um, But verse four is so encouraging because it says many of those who had heard the word believed and the number of the men came to about 5,000. So man, the the church is blowing up. It's blowing up. Um, and, and just through the faithfulness of the, these witnesses, right? And that's that's such a common theme in the book of Acts, the witnesses, the witnesses to the resurrection of Christ because that's right. the key. First Corinthians 15, if Christ is not raised from the dead, we are of, of all people most to be pitied because right. we're still in our sins. Mm-hmm. It's the, the resurrection of Christ that they're witnessing to that is so significant. Well, then they're, they're called the next day before Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who are the high priestly family. And it says in verse 7, when they set them in their midst, they inquired, by what, by what power or name did you do this? Talk about teeing them up, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, hey. How must I be saved? Right. How do I get right with God? Right. It says, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's something that we're going to read a lot, filled with the Holy Spirit. And just a side note on that. This is not the same thing as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is not the same thing as being filled with the Holy Spirit at the moment of conversion. Mm. This is similar to Ephesians 5, where we read that Christians are to be filled with the Holy Spirit, not to be drunk with wine. This is tapping into and leaning into our relationship with Christ, kind of like we were just talking about back in our Old Testament reading, that, that it's, it's a really really feeding the spirit within us. And when we are leaning into and growing in our relationship with Christ, man, we are putting ourselves in the way of God using us in a powerful way. And that's what he's doing here with Peter. Peter is filled with the Holy spirit and he stands up and he begins to preach to the, the, the Sanhedrin, to the rulers of the people here. This is the guy that was denying Jesus. And now he's preaching boldly to the high priest boldly. And, and he's, he's making no bones about it. He says it's through Jesus. Verse 11, this Jesus, he's the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. And he's become the cornerstone now. He's dropping scripture on that. Yeah. He's the foundation stone. He's the, 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 the key to the whole entire edifice. 
and their salvation in no one else for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved i mean peter is just on fire right now they see the boldness they're astonished it says there in verse 13 but seeing the man who was healed standing beside them they had nothing to say in opposition and again we see that the miracle validates the message even the opponents can't look at the miracle and say anything else other than okay something is significant is happening here I really appreciated what they what they notice here in verse 13. They recognize that these common uneducated men had been with Jesus. And I always think about that as I read past it. I, think, I, want, I want people to notice that about me. I want people to talk to me and be able to say, that guy has something different about him. He's been with Jesus. He's a common, uneducated man, uh, but he's been with Jesus. And I think that makes all the difference. So let that encourage you. If you're not, you don't got the pedigree, you don't got the same kind of education that so-and-so does or whatever, people can tell when you've been with Jesus. Right. Right. In fact, I can tell because Pastor Rod has been at Hutchins Barbecue recently. <laughs> you can tell because I smell it on you. you. Smell I, it. My office smells like Hutchins Barbecue, and I'm not <laughs> mad about it. I'm not mad about it. They should make a candle. They should make a candle, and I would I would probably light it and burn it in my office. But do you do, do you smell like Jesus? Right. I mean, like, can people mm. tell you've been around Jesus the way I can tell Pastor Rod's been at Hutchins Barbecue? You're like, well, okay. what, what, what does Jesus, Jesus smell, smell like? like Middle Eastern, he's, sweaty. He smells like, man, your words are dripping with grace and you're talking about Jesus and you're praying at, at the drop of a hat and you are just see your you, you, people can tell, man, you've been filled with the spirit. You've been filled with the spirit. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, great point. They can tell they've been with Jesus. They're, they call him back and they go, hey, you guys just need to knock it off. Can you just stop? Just stop what you're doing. And here's the COVID verse <laughs> in verse 19. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must be the judge. They're not talking about COVID at all. They're saying, hey, look, we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. It's it, it, we're, we're compelled to do this. We can't but, but do this because we've encountered the resurrected Christ and now it owns our life. And that's all we can talk about. And that's all we're going to talk about. No matter what you try to do to us, we can't stop. Yeah. And that's something that, that, that should also characterize us in the modern age too. Those of us who have been changed by Jesus would know what it's like to, to really say with Peter. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Granted, not every Christian is going to look the same way. That passion level mm. is going to kind of vary between person to person, but there is a sense in which Peter's experience is not unique. It's not like, Oh, Peter, that's so weird. You must be super apostle, you know, varsity level. No, that's kind of normative Christianity. We're so enthralled about who Jesus is and what he's done for us that there really isn't anything you could do to us to make us stop. And I guess for you, if you're in your car or you're on your way to work listening to this, man, commit to the Lord. Offer yourself to him and say, Lord, if I'm not there, I, I, I want more of that. Give me more of your spirit such that I'm willing to say anything, any place, any time. I'm all yours, Jesus. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love the ending because they, they want so badly to punish them. And, and it's not going to be long before they end up actually punishing uh, them for this, but, or for other events. But, but here it says they can't because all the people were praising God for what had happened for the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Mm. Again, the miracle validates the message, but the, the significance is the message. And that's the same message that we have. Same message as pastor. Rod was just saying, that's the same message that we have the same call, the same mission is to go out and make disciples because right. it's from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. And we have the ends of the earth here before us. Wherever you're listening to us, you've got the ends of the earth somewhere in your life. It's our job. Let's go find it and let's get the gospel there. Thanks again, guys, for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast and we'll catch you tomorrow. Bye, everybody. 
Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.